May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, Christ in St. Luke's. It is so good to be with you today, the first of hopefully many more Sundays to come. I am Mother Katie Beth, and no, I did not put my stole on incorrectly. This is a deacon's stole. Currently, I am a deacon, but I will be ordained as a priest in about three weeks on August 3rd. So suddenly you'll see me looking a bit more like everyone else. I'm not confused. It's just how it works. <laughs> so Father Noah said you would want to hear my voice today. Hold on to your hat. I'm going to tell you a story from my childhood. I grew up in Louisiana with my mom, dad, and younger brother of three years, David. And while we loved the heat, every summer, my mom would pack my younger brother and I into her teal green Chrysler minivan and drive the 1,064 miles from Monroe, Louisiana to Bay City, Michigan, where my dad's parents, my grandparents lived. Notice I said my mom drove us 1,064 miles. While dad did accompany us sometimes, most often he flew. <laughs> yeah, I can explain that another day. But anyone who has had the joy of watching kids aged six and nine, or seven and 10, or some various combination, can imagine what two straight days in a minivan might be like. Enter the Chronicles of Narnia, 1990s BBC version. We had all four that were made on a VHS tape. You know those rectangular cassettes? They were black, very chunky. You could put them in a very tiny TV in your car, like a nine-inch screen, and it would work as long as the cigarette lighter kept working. So we had those tapes playing on repeat the entire 1,064 miles to Michigan. And between the videos and the giant bucket of Pepperidge Farm goldfish that was wedged in between my brother and I, apparently we were fairly quiet. I'm not sure how my mom survived hours and hours of poor British accents, but not only did we memorize the lines from the films, we memorized the previews too. We were serious. And the one that I liked the least was for a 1987 film called Jacob Have I Loved. Has anyone seen this film? Great, I haven't either. <laughs> I've only seen the previews. So <laughs> it was about an older sister who spent almost every moment of her life hating her younger sister's existence. I believe the exact quote from the preview was, that she only had two minutes of happiness in her entire life, the two minutes before her sister was born. And the trailer continues likening the older sister of these non-identical twins to Esau because of her red hair, and the younger sister to Jacob having grabbed onto the older's heel at birth. 
And there was a lot of condemnation and fire and brimstone in the trailer. And it made me wonder, after the fate of the Esau sister, who seemed just consumed by jealousy. But the film itself is beside the point. The point is that I can remember the first scripture lesson from today just because of this movie trailer that I wound up watching over and over and over again. I see Esau trading his birthright for a meal in 1980s Technicolor in the faces of these two sisters. And don't get me started on the memory retrieval power of the parable of the sower. I have so many associations with this story, but the one that sticks out the most is from last summer. I was leading my church's VBS program, and it was detective-themed. So imagine me dressed something between Sherlock Holmes and Mr. Magoo, with a Sherlock hat and a long trench coat and a comically large magnifying glass. And I was staring at a chalkboard, it's over here, and it had four different images on it. There is a image of seeds on a path with some birds hanging out in the corner. There is an image of some seeds on rock and a sweltering sun. And there is another image of some seeds on thorny ground kind of like Greenbrier. And the final one had some seeds in very neat rows with a few sprouts for good measure. And so here I am looking at my chalkboard with my giant magnifying glass, kind of scratching my head and wondering what's going on. And I look at the children in the room and I tell them, you know, my neighbor called and he's wondering why some of his crops haven't grown this year. And my neighbor sent me these photos, and it's a mystery, and I need your help to figure out what's going on. And immediately, I get some great explanations about what is wrong with each of the pictures, how the birds are eating seeds, how some of the seeds are burning in the sun. And the most important line was, my neighbor, he needs to give more thought to where he plants his seeds. My neighbor needs to give more thought to where he plants his seeds. So here's what I'm pointing at today. Stories are memorable. Research has shown that when a human brain listens to a story, parts of the brain light up that usually only light up when something is being actually experienced. We need to reclaim our ability to tell the stories of our faith. We need to give more thought to how we sow the seeds of Christianity. Jesus taught in parables. Have you given much consideration to why that might be? And so much of the Old Testament is narrative. Lately, Deuteronomy 6 has been on my mind. Specifically, the part that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. 
Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away and when you lie down and when you rise. And bind them on your hand and fix them on an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In my years in ministry, which haven't been that many, I have witnessed an interesting phenomenon. Folks seem hesitant to talk about their faith. Some are very willing to share their faith with children when asked, but reticent to share with other adults. Others don't want to talk about it in general. I find it fascinating because we are all sitting here in church. Did you know that? We're in the church. And I don't know about you, but I would not want to give up an hour of my life every week learning about something I'm never going to talk about. It's like that student in trigonometry complaining about having to learn how to compute the surface area of a cylinder. Recently, someone asked me to calculate how much insulation they needed to insulate a solar tube. You know, one of these long, round tubes that bring daylight into your home. Kind of like a skylight, but round. And guess what I needed? The formula for the surface area of a cylinder. I hope that all of us are here not only to worship, but also to learn how to better tell the stories of our faith, to take Christ into the world. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should be standing on a street corner with a big poster that says, Jesus loves you, and trying to engage every single person that walks by. Although, during Pride Month, that might not be a bad idea. I'm also not saying that you need to ask the person next to you in a grocery line, hey, are you ready to meet your maker? <laughs> Although, in context of someone opening up to you about a terminal medical diagnosis, and yes, this has happened to me in a grocery line, asking someone what they feel they need to do to be ready to die might be helpful. The context matters, and the phrasing matters. What I am saying is that you should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, and better yet, be prepared to do that with a story. Back to the researchers and our human brains, it has been shown that more of the brain lights up when we listen to a story than when we learn facts alone. For example, you tell me what is more interesting between the two that I'm about to tell you. Recently, I visited a new parish, not this one, and I asked one of the members to tell me about the church. She said, you better go speak to Marge and ask about her shirt. So not this Marge. I thought it was an odd comment, go speak to Marge about her shirt, but I played along. So I walked over to Marge and said, I was told to ask you about your shirt. And she laughs and she said, well, it was Advent a few years ago and we didn't have many children at that church, like a lot of churches at the time. And so we decided to make our annual living nativity scene intergenerational. We had everyone gathered in the parish hall and we started asking each child what role they wanted to play. 
So some say, I want to be a sheep. And some say, I want to be a cow. And someone else says, I want to be a king. And they move around the room, and they get to me, and I think I'm going to be cute. So I start making this gesture because I want to be an angel, you see. And as I do that, I kind of stub my toe, and I'm standing there on one leg like this. And one of the kids yells out, flamingo! (laughs) And that's how there came to be a flamingo at the birth of Jesus that year and every year afterward. And the light bulb came on as Marge was wearing a shirt that was covered in flamingos. This one goofy moment in the church had literally become a part of her identity. And the next time someone looks at her shirt and says, hey Marge, do you like flamingos? You better believe they're going to hear that story. So if someone asked me to tell them about this church I visited, I have two choices. I could tell them the story of how a flamingo came to be at the birth of Jesus, or I could say that they're a church that values children. They're a church that hears children's voices and enacts and enables them. They're a church that doesn't take themselves too seriously, and they're a church that shapes the identity of their members. But while both of those choices are accurate, one is clearly more interesting and it leaves the listener to draw their own conclusions. Which one would you choose? Facts or the story? So today, I want to leave you with this charge. Practice telling the story of your faith. Tell it to your children, to your neighbor's children, or your neighbors themselves. You could write it out first if you need, on your hands, or you might just type it on your phone. And if you need some jumping off questions to start the process of storytelling, come see me after church. Or better yet, set up a coffee time, because I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Amen.